Time to stop the chaos. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time to stop the chaos now. On Fundraising Heyday, we talk a lot about how grant seeking gets more complex every year. Make 2023 the year you finally get a system to track grant deadlines and information. It's time to stop the chaos with Grant Holster. It was developed for grant professionals by grant professionals, which makes all the difference. First month is always free. And Grant Holster is giving our listeners a 25% discount on the entire first year of your subscription. Just enter Heyday, all one word, H-A-Y-D-A-Y, as your coupon at checkout, and you'll get that amazing discount. And they have a hands-on demo at grantholster.com that lets you explore the platform on your own. But if you want someone to walk you through it, they also have folks that can do that. So if you've been struggling with spreadsheets, clunky applications with a million workarounds, or just keeping your deadlines on sticky notes, head over to grantholster.com and take a look. And remember to enter the coupon code HEYDAY at checkout to get your 25% discount for a full year. And stop the chaos. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hello there. I'm Kimberly Hayes-Demuga. And I'm Amanda Day. And you are listening to the Fundraising Heyday Podcast. We're here to help you make sense of the whole grant writing, fundraising, how-to, hoot-nanny that is, has been our lives for decades now. And um, even more importantly, we really want to talk about how to make positive changes in the very inequitable world of philanthropy. So we're just here to do those kinds of things with you. Yep, and we have these hoot nannies every other week on Thursdays. So uh, come along for the ride, for the education, the information, the cheesy sound effects, the songs, the fabulous word choices of my lovely co-host Kimberly Hayes. Hey, so we'll, we'll be exploring <laughs> hoot nanny, shindig, lollapalooza, shenanigans. Shenanigans are just a way of life here. But yes, I have antiquated slang coming your way. I have a sign in my house that a friend made me. Like she hand painted. It says this ho- this house is built on love and shenanigans. And I'm like, fair. Exactly that. That is fair. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by our season six sponsor, DH Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. Their team can help make grants less stressful by assisting you with grant readiness and training, grant research, grant writing, mock review as well as providing numerous DIY resources, guides, and templates. Don't let grants stress you out. Did you know that with every Fundraising Heyday episode, we create a coordinating blog post on their website, dhleonardconsulting.com. Check it out today. Well, hello there, dear listeners. Now, before we jump into today's topic, we have some Mm -hmm. exciting news to share. Woohoo! That's right. So the exciting news, you, we talk a lot about the Grand Professionals Association and, you know, full disclosure, we used to be board members, super helpful in our career, et cetera, et cetera. They have an annual conference. It's called the Grant Summit. This year is their 25th anniversary for the whole existence of GPA. Thus, mm-hmm. a big shindig will be had a hootenanny and a plethora of shenanigans at uh, the grant summit in kansas city from november the 1st to the 4th and fundraising heyday is going to be the event's official podcast team do we need an official sound effect 
Yes, yes. Yes, we are. And I cannot wait. So Kimberly and I are going to get to conduct interviews at the conference. We won't be sending them out live by, so I don't, you know, but we will get to interview speakers, leaders, attendees, all kinds of folks will get to do that. And so if you're going to be at the event in person, we would so love for you to come and find us. Um, we'll be um, in the exhibitors hall. So come on by. You can see the pod in action. If we're we in- will be, we will be in the exhibitors hall, but we will have some sort of recording booth situation. And true, if true. we knew more, we would say more. It's just all in process. It is all in process. So we hope you're going to, if you're there, come by and see us. If you're not there, then just know that you're going to get some content, some great content that's going to come come from the conference that we'll be pushing out in season seven of uh, the Fundraising Heady podcast. I can't believe it. Season seven. Um, big thanks, big thanks to the Grand Professionals Association for making this happen. We are thrilled. We are excited. That we are. So, okay. Now back to the the main event. The reason we're here is uh, today's topic is something that's very near and dear to my heart um, because I started off my my 15 years, my first 15 years in the grant profession. I was going after all those juicy and exciting and overwhelming federal and state grants. Mm-mm, good. And now I'm delving into a lot more on the private side of things with foundations and corporate funders and there's a lot of differences between the two, but there's one that I just, it's really been bothering me lately. <laughs> it's true. I mean, there are, there are a lot of differences um, and government funding, which oddly my, over the past six or seven years, I have leaned more into state and federal funding, but I'm still very active in funding in the private sector and in fundraising and strategic development and all the things. But um, the difference, I think moving into the private sector funding and by private sector funding in the context of today's episode, I'm talking about private foundations, family foundations, um, uh, community foundations, corporate foundations of all shapes and sizes. Um, And I'm not going to say I think it's funny because I feel Amanda's pain about this, but I'm like, hi, hello, welcome for what we're going to talk about today because it's like I was just living in that world for, for, for exclusively really in that world for so many years. So coming from the voluminous paper and online and all documentation that comes with most state and federal funding um, to the world of private foundations can be a little bit of a culture shock. And I think that's what our Amanda is experiencing. It is. And there, there have been several culture shock things, but for me, the thing I'm talking about today is the lack of websites. I just, I really can't get over the number of foundations that don't have a presence at all on either social media or have their own website. It's just, and I know those of you who've been doing this forever are like, well, duh, Amanda, that's how it is. But but when you're used to 
everything. It's just, I'm flabbergasted. Honestly, I'm annoyed. I'm a lot of things. She's, you're in your feelings, and I don't blame you. As the children say, you're in your feelings. Yes. As the children probably said five years ago, you're in your feelings. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I don't I don't blame you. I um, have heard so many excuses over the years, and even recently. In fact, you and I heard a keynote one year where the executive director of this big ass, and that is the technical term, this big ass foundation, I'll call it a BAF, um, was like, we're so tired. It is really hard. And no one, none of our grantees ever ask us how our day's been. And I'm like, hi, hi there. Hello. Maybe because they're too busy figuring out your ridiculous requirements for documentation and all the attachments and the reports and things and your website's probably down. So here's the deal. Foundations, they have a lot of legal requirements, right? I mean, mm-hmm. otherwise it would just be a big fat tax shelter, which I guess the acronym for that would be WUFSTIS. Um, <laughs> and um, so their requirement, which is laughable when you think about it, it's just laughable, is five, they need, they should, they ought, by law, according to the IRS, give out 5%, the value of 5% of the totality of their previous year's assets, right? But to make to add fuel to Amanda's flame because I can feel a little rant coming on. Um, that five percent is needs to go toward charitable expenses. Their stated mission that doesn't necessarily all even have to be in grants, like the there there certain salaries that can come out of that. Certain other business program related expenses could come out of that. I um, would like to suggest that maybe if they just can't see their way to making their decisions and they just can't trust the grantees because they're being ridiculous and there's no idea of trust-based philanthropy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Why don't they take part of that 5%? Why don't they hold up uh, $200 and go on Fiverr or Upworks and, you know, get someone, I realize I'm suggesting exploiting people in other countries who work for cheaper. I understand that, but, and I'm sorry, but go on Fiverr or Upworks and pay someone to do their website. I guarantee you for less than a thousand dollars, they could get uh, some of the things that Amanda's going to be talking about. So um, I just, and then the other argument, oh, well, you know, it's just the family and I'm I'm only speaking for Atlanta and only from my experience. But when someone says, oh, well, the cousins all get together, chances are everybody's old and white in that room and they don't even use websites because they pay people to do that kind of work for them. And so they're not, you know, so there could be some educating up that needs to happen. But um, I'm not buying it. If you have assets of $20 million and you're telling me you can't afford a website, I just want to respectfully suggest that Amanda and I and our training company, Heyday Services, do not have $20 million in assets. Um, And yet (laughs) we managed to have a website. So that's what I'm going to say about that. Take it away, Amanda. Yeah. Well, all of that. Yes. And some of you may be like, are you really doing a whole episode just about websites? Yeah. We are because we have thoughts and feelings. But also um, as a part of a larger whole, as a part of a larger yes. totality of, yes. if you just had this one thing, if you had this one thing, not only would you, oh, let me back up, a good one, a good one with, with, with useful stuff on it. I'm trying so hard not to cuss. With useful things on it, uh-huh. 
it, it would not only save you time, save some trees lives, but it would also help you get better quality grants. Mm-hmm. And yep. you can support your local service sector if you don't feel comfortable going on some website to bid it out for some really cheap price. You know what? Yeah. It's just. Yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of things. So what frustrates me the most is, again, going from that, I was so used to having a contact person name and number and email that I could reach out to with questions when it came to uh, public grants and they would have a website and they would have an RFP and they would have all the details very plainly listed because they have to, right? It's, it's public money. It's in the public domain. They have to do that. Right. So to move they to the being government, space, fund, that's government yes, funding, government funders. but to move to the private space, I'm like, Yes, it's private funding, but you're given a tax shelter. Like there are benefits for you to take your money and put it into a foundation. You're getting benefits. So can't you make it easier? So, and yes, there are some incredible subscription services that will help you do the research. And you're like, but Amanda, I subscribe to this and I can find all the things. Fabulous. That's, I do the same thing, but I still don't understand why that's the way we have to go is we have to now pay for a subscription service, either as a consultant paying ourselves. We have to pay or- so that they can give away their money and get the tax break. And I completely <laughs> talked over you. And for that, I am sorry, but I'm not sorry for feeling that. They yes. Have to, they're making, and also talk about inequity. If you are a grassroots um, um, small nonprofit, maybe you grew out of a mutual aid society that often a lot of them will spring up after these incessant natural disasters that we're having and other uh-huh. things. Um, you can't or don't want to completely understandable spend $2,000 a year or even $500 a year for a subscription to some, to, to, to find it out. It just, it drives me crazy that we have to find out, we have to pay to, to help them give away their money because that's what we're doing. Yeah. That's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what we're doing. And it's, oh, yeah, it just, it really frustrates me. And we're not <laughs> knocking the paid subscription sites. And I'm not saying, no. oh, well, why aren't y'all making everything for free? I would say that maybe a sliding scale or some sort of, you might want to consider some sort of scholarship thing. And you might be thinking, oh, but Kimberly, you can go to lots of libraries have access to those kinds of things. But that, again, if you're in that grassroots mutual aid society trying to feed people or set up cooling shelters, we're recording this right now. There's like one of those yeah. hellish heat domes sitting over here. And it's like, I mean, then you're either so you're either finding money to pay to learn how to help rich people's tax sheltered. Okay, it's not technically tax shelter, pseudo tax shelter foundations give away their money, or you have to leave, go find a library branch with enough resources to do that. God knows funding is being gutted left and right and take the time to do that. So you're doing that instead of serving the people you want to serve. How about this? The last time I did that, use the free version, the library that used to be a 30 minute drive from my house stopped paying for their subscription because they decided they couldn't afford it anymore. Yeah, so because the next, their budgets are getting cut too. Absolutely. So the next closest place for me to go was a, um, a, a nonprofit collaborative in the next county over. 
it took me close to an hour to get there. And literally, God bless the lady who ran this nonprofit collaborative. I literally, I had to make an appointment, which is fine. So I make an appointment. I literally, it was only on her computer. So I sat at her desk. So she had to go somewhere else for the hour I had booked for her time. And she did say, she's like, I'm trying to get a second laptop and put it somewhere else. But literally I'm sitting at her desk where she's got her piles of stuff, her diet Coke can. And she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm like, listen, I'm because you guys are subscribing to this. I get to use it for free and I thank you and I appreciate it. But I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is, <laughs> you know, but it was one of those. What if you didn't have a car? What if exactly. you didn't have a car and you were trying to do this on the week? It's just, anyway. And thankfully, I only, like, I knew I could get what I needed in an hour. Thankful, But I'm like, I couldn't have, if I needed to do research on a weekly or even monthly basis, that was not a sustainable model. You know, so it was one of those things that it's just like, the system is broken. And one of the broken pieces is websites. And I get just because they have a website doesn't mean you're going to know how to go and find them. Okay. So it's not, so a research database is still a helpful thing to narrow down from the thousands of funders that are still a helpful tool to use. But if the funder has absolutely no website, it is so hard without paying or doing some convoluted way to get to them and find out the helpful information. Right. It's true. It, I mean, it's 2023 you know, the 1970s called and they wanted their fundraising grant seeking techniques back because come on. And it's, it's like, you're sitting on, you are literally sitting on this money. You, if you don't feel that you can give your full 5% because someone might misspend it. Okay. If we can't have nice things, you can at least have a basic website. You can just a website. Most people can access something that looks good on a phone and is easy to find and just has, it can be a one pager. It can be, God, what did they, what did everybody used to have? Was it Weebly, Wix? I don't know. You yeah. know what I'm talking about? And it's like, you went through Google, that's our first website yeah. for the podcast. Oh, yeah. Google sites. It was free. The only thing is we paid, we found a friend who was willing to give us a friends and family discount and built we us got him an Amazon website. gift card. We said here, we sure um, did. So like, I'm like, if we can make that work, <laughs> I'm just saying Again, funders can figure this out. <laughs> not having $20 million of assets to play with, not even having $2 million of assets to play with, but friends yeah. and family, we figured it out. And so I would like to respectfully suggest that they could too. And you know, if everybody on the board is all grandpawed out and they're not feeling it, well, I'm sure that they can call their grandsons and great grandchildren that are probably in some really posh uh, institutions of higher learning or preparing to do so. And they can help them do that. And then they can give them a car yeah. or whatever. And yes, I'm feeling class resentment today. All I'm saying is <laughs> it's not that hard and um, just basic. Like for example, if what they fund XYZ mm -hmm. foundation, what's the mission of XYZ foundation to help, animals live in deserts, I don't know, whatever, or to, 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 to help fund uh, hot air balloon education. I don't even know what, what y'all are about, but just your mission, what you will and won't fund. And by the way, if you put that you don't want to fund salaries, that is going to be another rant for another day because I'm so mm -hmm. over it. Um, if you have geographic restrictions. So we're up to three now, if you're keeping track at home, your mission, what you will and won't fund, 
don't be stupid about this, but in any um, geographic or other restrictions, your priorities, like arts and culture, well, what in arts and culture? Is it arts and culture for kids? Is it helping artists connect with their community? Is it visual arts or uh, media arts or, or whatever, or music? Um, yeah. And then how to apply. And if y'all cannot handle having any staff at all, okay. But so don't you don't even have to have a contact information on there necessarily. Although wouldn't it be nice? It would actually help you, but whatever. But a clear process for applying. A clear yes. one. We need this by this date. And this Deadline. is how you deliver it to us. <laughs> to us. And it better not be by just mail. That's all I gotta say. Be a woman you. I mean, seriously, don't, doesn't everybody have email now, but it's, um, I'm working on one for a client and it is, they have to provide, and because this is a remote where anyway, they're doing it because that's our deal. That's our arrangement. Nine copies of the proposal. There are 10 attachments. They decided that you, the, the funder decided they didn't need nine separate copies of the 990 because those of you who have done this know that that's a trees will die. Yeah. To get, so it's nine copies of all this by mail. This is a foundation associated with a huge company, a huge company with global reach. And I am just really sure that they have the ability to um, like use either email or a grants portal. But anyway, um, also, you know what? Here's the other thing, one of many things. I get it I, that everyone is trying to move toward a more equitable arrangement and in, 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 uh, philanthropy. Why don't you list your board of directors and put pictures of your boards of directors members on there so that you we can see how inclusive you are? Because by golly, I've had to fill out form after form after form of gender, um, even that even asking about people's private sexual orientation. And that is like I'm like, I'm not asking anybody about that. Um, yeah. if they want to disclose, that's fine. But I mean, you know, race, um, um, ethnicity, all of these things. Well, I would love it if y'all would do the same thing. If you think that's so important, I better not open it up and have everybody look like Mr. Magoo. Do you know what I'm saying? It better not be mm-hmm. like that if that's what you're asking yeah. for. But just those things, mission, what you won't, will and won't fund, um, you know, eligible, which ties into eligibility, any restrictions, right? Your priorities how you apply and a deadline. That's it. If you want your, if you have an application, load it up. Why don't you test it? Please don't make it a PDF from 1995 that won't work anywhere, but it's really basic. You could actually do all of that on one page. You really could. It could just be one page. I'm okay to scroll. I will scroll to my heart's content to get all the information I need. I'll scroll. I'm good. Yeah. You're good. Yeah. So yes, I, that would make me so 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 happy. I can imagine it would make the all the employees at the over two million nonprofits that we have here in the United States uber happy too to have that. Ten percent of the economy is it's related non-profit. to nonprofit work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But just to, yeah. 
to have all of that basic information in one place, very clear. And if you're one of those foundations that never changes anything, guess what? You create it once. And yes, you need, probably have to, you've got to pay your, you know, your GoDaddy or whatever you pay to have your site, you know, so there are some month, yearly fees, but like. Well, that can come out of your 5% that you're so afraid exactly. to give away. Yes. Well, and I really feel like, again, foundations, IRS has made it so you can put your money here. There's some, there are some restrictions on it, but I really feel like because you're getting benefits out of it, like there should be some transparency to this is who we are. This is where we're located. This is what we find. This is what we don't find. Like, I just feel like so many of them are like hidden and squirreled away. And like they're, you know, and again, a topic for another day, foundations that only fund certain organizations and they don't do open competitions. I'm not even talking about that, but I'm just talking about even if even if that is you, here's the requirements. We don't accept unsolicited proposals. Great. Now I won't waste my time. Or if I've got your board of directors list, I may see if we have some connections and see, maybe. you know, maybe what happens. But again, it just should your information should be easily available. So nonprofits can figure stuff out. And also it's saving us time. We're not wasting time going after foundations because we don't know a lot about them, but we think, well, they're in our neighborhood. Let's try. Oh no, they really only fund X and I'm a Y. Thanks. Thanks and for if wasting. You've also set, if you've set up your foundation to give to very personal things like where your kids go to school, where you worship and, um, and you don't want to accept applications, that information is not easily found on 990s. I know we might be getting into that a little bit later, but yeah. just you by law, you don't have to take on all comers, but just make it clear so that people don't bother you. If you don't want to be bothered, fine. You can set up a site that does that, you know, and just absolutely. Don't take be yeah, be just yeah. Use it as your gate. Use it to repel people so that they don't give. But I'm also like interesting, you know. Do you want to set up your foundation to basically maybe grease some wheels at some educational institutions? Then something that's on you. We're not going to talk about that today. Um, <laughs> but um, were there also a lot of benefits to, to having a website? And we've touched on um, a lot of them already. But Amanda, are there some that you wanted to maybe pick out and highlight again from what we had talked yeah. about? Um, I really think, you know, because you... I would hope as a foundation, you would want nonprofits to find you, right? If you were created because you want to give back and help in a community, wouldn't you want the right nonprofit to find you so you can fund the things that make your heart get excited? You know, Amanda, I just, I'm not, I'm not convinced that everybody sets up a foundation for that reason. But But your handle is whole week girl. So I know that you're like, I know, know. but I just think that's, that's one of them. I think I would, I would hope you want nonprofits to find you. I think the majority majority probably are, but there are a lot of, I mean, when you think about it, if you did want to set up and give to those and it's, I mean, and I'm not insulting people who give to their faith communities. I give to my faith community. I'm not saying that, but if you're setting it up just as a private donation vehicle, charitable vehicle, that is your thing, mm-hmm. but let's be clear about it. And being clear isn't checking out that tiny ass little box on the 990 that is a year and a half out of date at the very least. By the time yeah. you pay for a search engine, that's where they get their information. And it's not the search engine. It's not those companies fault. If the IRS has a big labor shortage and they're not getting those 990s out there, the information will be outdated. And by its very 
And just like your taxes are, um, when you pay your own taxes in your own tax forms, that's from the previous year. So, yeah. you know, 2022 may be, look really different than 2023 for you personally in your taxes, but you're, you know, it's at least a year old, the information by the time it, it gets yeah. filed. Yeah. yeah. It's just well, a mess. And I, the thing with the 990s too, like not only are, is it a delay, but like, do you know how many times I've opened a 990 for the foundation and half the information I'm looking for, it'll say, see attachment eight, see statement yeah, it's not nine. There. And it's not there. And I don't know, is it because the foundation didn't submit their attachments to the IRS and the IRS didn't catch it? Or if the IRS didn't upload the whole, I don't know where the disconnect is in that process, but I'm like, that is beyond frustrating But when the section about who's on your board, how do you submit, what are the restrictions, when's the deadline, when they're not there. And so I'll go, I'm like, well, most foundations don't change a whole lot from year to year. Let me look at the previous year's one. Guess what? Mm-hmm. It's not there either. You'll go back five years and it's not there. So I'm like, great. Moving on to the next foundation. So Yeah, it's, and I mean, it, it's also... There's with everything going on with the IRS and again, with the labor shortages and all of that, going after foundations for not doing what they said they were going to do is probably not as big a goal as no, I don't even want to go there. But I mean, as as maybe auditing smaller businesses and things where they can go after Mm -hmm. easily and get and get their money more easily. That's true. Versus large corporations who actually have some of these sucky websites that we were talking about. <laughs> well, I, I will tell you too. I, um, there's, I have a client that there's a funder. We, it's no, they're not big. It's like five to $10,000. We apply every year, get funding most every year from them. So there, I mean, that's a good, it's a good fit. Everything's great. They don't have a website. And every year when they submit our congrats, you've been funded. They also may, they mail us the letter and the check. They also mail us the application for the next year. Like literally it's a paper application that I scan in and then use PDF to type in our answers. And I I can't even remember the timeline, but let's just say this application is normally due every July 1st. Well, when they sent us the award notice, they were like, heads up, we're changing the timeline. So we got notice because we won, we won the grant award. But I'm like, are they sending this change out to everybody who's ever applied to them? No. Are they like, no, they're not. And so I'm like, we got lucky. We know when the new date is. But I bet you there's plenty that have no idea because they have no website. And 990s are so delayed. So it's just, it's a flawed system that I want to fix. Um, and I will say too, I think a website would help the foundations again, because you want the right nonprofits coming to you. And so if you can as clearly as possible define your mission, who you are, what you want. Now I'm not saying you're always going to get people that apply that they're just like throwing darts at a wall and they hope that that's how some nonprofits operate because they don't have the time and the money and the attention to sit down. They don't understand how grants work. Yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot of things. That's a whole nother problem for another day. But I think you're going to cut down on a lot of that if it's very easily found. This is what we do. This is what we don't do. You you will weed out some applications that yeah. aren't a good fit, which saves you time and money and effort because you're not having to read applications that you won't fund. Or if you're really, if you really can't and you're really, you just can't possibly do that, you may want to consider 
consolidating having a bank manage it. I mean, I'm thinking of, I'm not yes. a fan of Wells Fargo, but I'm thinking Wells Fargo, Truist, formerly SunTrust and BB&T, I think. Um, <clears throat> they have decent um, information, information about how to access their managed foundations. Then you just Honestly, take it over there. Then they can manage it, and then you can shuffle into your little boardroom every year and, and feel really good about yourself, stroke those checks, and move on. But you're going to have – it's just going to be better. It's just going to be a better system. I, I'm thinking about that foundation. Somebody – they had to pay somebody or somebody had to take their time to stuff all those envelopes. I get that people a lot, and a lot of government agencies are still reimbursing by check. You know, I mean, let's just be real. But it's also like, if you're going to either pay or take the time to do that, wouldn't it be easier to just automate it up a little bit? And I say that as the world's oldest living Gen Xer. I'm just saying, it's it's really not that daunting of a thing, and it's just I, I think it's just an excuse. And I think if you don't want to be found and you think that everybody's going to come after your five thousand and two thousand dollar grants then i'm not really sure that you're I, I, maybe philanthropy isn't the right place for you or maybe just give out two bigger grants every year and, and move on with your life i don't know but no. yeah just having some basic information and it can be a win-win it can be a win for folks trying to find um find out about you it can be a win for grant writers who often sometimes I feel like we're the middle people, the middlemen, the middle women, the middle people um, yeah. trying to broker this weirdness. And um, in the end, the, the money that you say that you want to get out there in the community will get out there in the yeah. community. It's not that hard. You know, if you were didn't have time to review everything, you might be able to um, have local GPA chapters review grants as long as there wasn't a conflict of interest. And that's very easy mm -hmm. to ferret out or, you know, I mean, you know what I mean? There, there could be, you know, or volunteer grant reviewers or something like the United way did that for years um, in greater Atlanta. And actually they still do. There are ways to move that process forward. But if it's such a huge burden, then maybe spend a little bit on admin. But then again, you don't want to spend on admin for um, nonprofits, so maybe you have a block against that. But I'm pretty sure whoever made you your money, they spent some money on admin, and I'm pretty sure that people who are in a position to do that have all sorts of administrative tasks covered in their personal lives. Amen. <sighs> I do feel a little Amen better now. Yeah. <sighs> so get you some websites, people. That's Please. all you have to say. And if you're listening as a grant pro, I mean, you're like, yeah, yeah, go get them. Or if you're like, gosh, y'all, y'all just complain too much. I don't know what to say to that except hi. But um, if they're, think about maybe their ways locally. And obviously if it's some huge, mysterious, you know, found or foundation, another place, but if they're local foundations or community foundations, maybe that's the way to address it and to try to have those conversations, start them yeah. to have that as a, Hey, you want money to go more efficiently? How about making it so that a grant writer or a person who's a voluntold to be a grant writer doesn't have to spend 20 hours to do your damn proposal? How about that? Then more resources can go to feeding the hungry or yep. taking care of kids or making rivers cleaner or what, saving the whales or whatever it is that you do. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. 
So we are super glad, as always, that you chose to listen to Fundraising Heyday, um, whether this is your first time or your 101st time, although we actually have more episodes than that now. Um, just know that we wouldn't do this without the support that we get from our listeners the way you have downloaded and shared the podcast helps us attract sponsors that pay for production costs. But everything else we do on this podcast is a labor of love. We don't get paid for our content development. We have a lot of fun talking to each other um, and, and do it for free regularly. But we're doing it for free in this case um, <laughs> because that's where we are. But we want to keep this podcast free. So if you can't get enough of this heyday stuff, Head on over to the Heyday Services web sh- w- website. The website. Head on over to the Heyday Services website and sign up for the Heyday Hot Takes newsletter. So we uh, talk about the episodes of the podcast as they drop, but we also have a lot of other cool things, information, links, and a book reviews because we're a reading people. So if that sounds good, head on over there and sign up. Thank you again to our Season 6 sponsor, D.H. Leonard Consulting and Grant Writing Services. We appreciate their support in making grants less stressful. Visit their website, dhleonardconsulting.com, to download their latest resources today. We're so honored you chose to spend time with us today. Be sure to join us again in two weeks for an incredible guest interview. We are going to talk about how to have those difficult conversations about DEI with your neighbors, your coworkers, your friends, your family, all that. Board members. Stuff. Board members. All the people. Um, this is something Kimberly and I are committed to doing in both our personal and professional lives. And so we, we just want to keep learning more and hope that you do too. So we want to offer you resources to do the same. And we'll be talking with Floor Larson. So check us out coming to your pod catcher soon.